Hey yo, it feels kind of funny making a week 13 video while I got a week 12 game going out on the same exact day right now. What's up everybody? It is Wednesday, bright and early on the East Coast, 6 a.m. And I'm here to show you, I'm here to talk about the best picks we're talking early on right now for the NFL week 13. Almost a full slate of games, very odd week and very frustrating if you're a Christian McCaffrey owner to see that you have the very rare bye week in week 13 this year. So that's going to be troubling if you're trying to make the playoffs like this guy myself right now in my home league needing to get the victory to get in there. And hanging on by a fingernail. Four most points in the league, but hanging on by a fingernail, goddamn fingernail, with Christian McCaffrey the season that he's had so far, the tease that he's been. Maybe he'll come back just in time to smash it for the playoffs for us, but we shall see. We're here to talk about week 13, ladies and gentlemen, the fellows, the fellows, the fellows, what we do. We go position by position. We let you know where them heavy hitters, them kingpins, them head honchos of the fantasy points for this week are going to be there. They're going to smack you with the points. We're going to smack your wallets with the dollar rooskies, and you're going to be feeling real good about yourself by the end of the week. Or you won't be, and you just chase your winnings, and then hopefully that doesn't spiral into something bad. But if it is, call 1-800-GAMBLER, of course. I think that might be the first time I said that on the show, but what a hell of an intro so far. Hopefully, you all had a nice week to this point. Hopefully, you're excited to start the research for week 13, depending on when you're watching this, maybe Sunday, start getting there, getting after it. We're going to be covering today position by position. But before we do, the goal is to get to 35,000 subscribers by the end of the year. That is by December 31st, January 1st, right? We're on pace. We're on pace to do so. But the only way we get there is if you help me out. Hit the like button to reach more people. And the big old subscribe button as it pops up on the screen. That big old bad boy. If you can hit that, I really do appreciate it. That's going to obviously move that needle upwards a good amount. And this video today, the best of the best picks for week 13, is going to be sponsored by none other than Superdraft. And if you're not already familiar with Superdraft, it is a multiplier format. And the people in the Discord, the people who are patrons, and honestly, just community members that reach out to me on now Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it might be, are crushing it. They're absolutely killing it. I think I get almost every single day that there's an NFL event. I cannot wait for the NBA in a couple weeks because it seems like every single night we're going to have somebody probably winning high three, four, five figures over on Superdraft, depending on what the contest types look like. But for example, this week, the Superdraft, if let's just say Russell Wilson has a 1x multiplier. If he scores 22 points, well, he multiply that by his multiplier of one and he gets 22 points. But if you look at somebody like Philip Rivers, who has a 1.5x multiplier, if he scores 20 points this week, similar to Russell Wilson, he'll actually end up getting 30 because you multiply that by 1.5. 1.5x times 20 is 30 fantasy points. So he'll actually outscore Russell Wilson, even though he did not have as good of a game. That's the whole point of the multiplier. We have projections over on my Patreon link down below. You can follow along with those projections, rankings, ownership, all that type of stuff during this video and future videos. But Superdraft, if you want to sign up over there, and I'm telling you, people are winning four to five figures because they're just not professionals playing as much over there. They don't have the time. They're sports betting. They're playing DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, all this other stuff. And the prize pools honestly just aren't big enough for them. Yes, there's a major $25,000 first that Kevin took down about a month, month and a half ago. But outside of that, there's not a lot that they want to be hunting for and spending their time towards. So that's where if you want to build a bankroll and ROI, return on investment, check it out. If you use my name upon sign up, it'll say a little box uh, at the bottom. It'll say, hey, you have a promo code. You say yes, Sal, S-A-L, bam. You'll get hit with a free money bonus up to $1,000 Ruskies and a 50% in a slow drip format. So be sure to check it out. Again, that promo code is Sal to let you know that you came from me. So with all that said, let's get into this bad boy right now. And we're going to be starting off with the quarterback position where it's honestly, again, like last week was kind of all over the place. There was really just pay up just do it, right? Go ahead, get yourself Patrick Mahomes. Go ahead, pay up and get yourself Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. Those are the guys that we liked last week. And Patrick Mahomes ends up getting us there. And if you didn't have Patrick Mahomes, and honestly, Tyree Hill, of course, and maybe even Derrick Henry, if you had them all in the same lineup, you were probably winning a lot of contests. But as long as you just had Tyree Hill with Patrick Mahomes, you were doing very well. And this week is starting to look a lot like that. Now we have to wait on some injury news with Daniel Jones. Not really sure it's going to make me want to get to him. We have to see what happens with Tua this week. They're they're optimistic internally, so that doesn't really give me any hope right now that Tua is going to start. But it also doesn't give me any hope that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going 
going to start. So a true question mark situation there, of which I do like Ryan Fitzpatrick if he plays, and I won't like to if he plays because we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a motherfucking gunslinger. And put that on a damn t-shirt. Let Ryan Fitzpatrick wear that bad boy because that man is just an absolute legend. Flames fire, and he gets a revenge game every single week it seems for that man. But right now, what I'm going to be doing is starting with Justin Herbert, and Justin Herbert this last past time out might have had his worst performance that we've seen of the year from him. Right? Justin Herbert goes out there and only scores 15.4 fantasy points against Buffalo. Look, Buffalo has some pressure. They're a good defense, and in this game, honestly, it wasn't a lot of Justin Herbert's fault. He goes over 300 yards passing again, and he actually gets that bonus to get you over 18 fantasy points if you're playing on DraftKings and DFS and not the, the season-long streets where he only gets 15.4. So what was some of the downsides? Well, he only gets in the end zone one time, and honestly, that's a lot of play calling. Like, they're on the two-yard line, and they're running the ball. They're QB sneaking. They're running with Eckler with the time running out. So honestly, this could have been another performance where very easily you see Herbert going for 22 to 25 fantasy points like he's done every single other week of the season up until, I believe, week three against Carolina. This was the worst performance of the year statistically for him, but I'm going to be expecting a bounce back, especially against New England, who has been okay this year, right? Their secondary when healthy has been okay. The fact that their front seven all basically backed out because of COVID or got injured is, or left the team, right? And free agency is definitely a reason why the secondary is not going to be as good. They're not getting as much pressure. So the secondary, no matter how good those players are, aren't going to be able to stay in man-to-man coverage all that much. Now I'll continue to like Herbert here. And last week I mentioned it in the discord. I mentioned it on our Sunday closing thoughts podcast on Patreon, where we discuss GPP strategy. If you're playing 150 max, single entry, three max cash, whatever it might be, we discuss the ultimate strategy to out leverage your opponents to see where they're going to make mistakes. The reason why Austin Eckler was that low on last week was mind boggling to me. We had 35%, then we had 50 plus percent on the end of the day. And he was the only guy that I felt comfortable with pairing with my quarterback. We discussed that in the podcast. We discussed that on the discord. And boy, oh boy, was that correlation ever the maximum, maybe the maximum he'll ever have with 16 targets, 11 receptions and 80 yards. Now, sure, Justin Herbert throwing to an Austin Eckler only ended up getting like three or four points for himself, but we're very close on 16 targets. We can start projecting a decent amount of touchdown upside into that. I don't think we're going to get 16 targets again, but it did seem like he's going to be throwing his way an awful amount, maybe double digits, the Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey type role for Eckler in this offense that we seem to have been waiting for for the last three or four years with Eckler as a charger. So give me some Justin Herbert because yes, Keenan Allen, even with all those targets, Eckler still sees 10 targets, right? And I think that he's going to only have upside to those targets when Eckler start to diminish. So you have Keenan Allen, you have Hunter Henry, you have Austin Eckler as a stacking option who still is way too cheap to this week and allows you to fill out a running max spot as a cheap price point. So I like those Justin Herbert stacks for a guy averaging over 300 yards per game. He is number one in yards per game on the slate right now. Only a 1.74 interception percentage. That's basically top three on the slate, averaging the fifth most fantasy points per game in the NFL. And on this slate, it's going to be top three. Give me Herbert for the upside. Give me Herbert right now at a 24 implied team total. We'll take that. Now the order that he's in on this, if you're watching on YouTube, the order that he's in, that's not the actual order that I like these guys in. That's just the way that it filters when I sort it. Next up is going to be the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Rodgers. And if there was ever a chance, that Patrick Mahomes was to slip up this year, Aaron Rodgers would be sliding right in for the MVP candidacy to this point in the season. Aaron Rodgers has just been an absolute monster. I mean, the man already has 33 touchdown passes, 8.7% touchdown percentage, right? You just got two weeks ago, we were saying, okay, who do we stack up with this guy? Devontae Adams and then eh, do we just single stack it? Do we do we cross our fingers and pray that MVS catches a deep touchdown, right? And sometimes that happened. Now we've seen multiple weeks with Robert Tonyan being heavily involved in this offense, seeing targets downfield, seeing five plus targets in back-to-back weeks. We got Alan Lazard back last week for six targets, a touchdown, four receptions. And that was in a game where the Packers basically didn't even throw the ball that much, right? The fourth quarter, they didn't throw at all. They ran the ball 34 times with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, 17 times apiece for those running backs, and only 29 pass attempts. So six targets for Alan Lazard, five targets for a man and Robert Tonyan on those 29 pass attempts with a throwaway or two. You're looking at around 20% target shares plus for those guys. That's very good to see. So there's a lot of stacking options with Aaron Rodgers. Against the Philadelphia front, that my only caution would be that Philadelphia does get pressure. They're arguably the best pressure in front seven in the NFL right now in terms of getting to the quarterback. And that is a concern. 
concern. The only time we've seen Aaron Rodgers basically struggle this year was against Tampa, who gets pressure. And basically in his career, like many quarterbacks, when faced with pressure, that's when we'll see him actually fold a little bit. We've seen it in the past with the Buffalo Bills and Denver Broncos, some of the worst games of his career. We saw it last year with the San Francisco 49ers as well. Aaron Rodgers right now is the number one true completion percentage quarterback in the NFL right now at 83.3%, just an absolute beast. And his pressure completion percentage, yeah, it drops off. But it's honestly not as bad this year. But that being said, he hasn't faced that many pass rushes or elite pass rushes at getting to the quarterback pressure rate wise. He's number 10 in pressure completion percentage so far this season. But I like him a lot. Number one in fantasy points per drop back. Has a 29 implied team total. Yes, they're nine point favorites. But even when they're in the red zone, even when they have the ability to run in touchdowns, they're still throwing it from the one yard line to Devontae Adams. And they're running those as extensions of the run. So give me Aaron Rodgers stacked up with Devontae Adams and then insert next player here, Robert Tonyan, Alan Lazard, MVS. I like Tonyan and Lazard better than MVS this week. And then honestly, after that, it's a bunch of guys that just like look okay. We have to see some injuries. We have to see just what ends up happening with some of these totals. I obviously am going to like Seattle. Russ pushing towards the second highest team total on the slate at 29. They are 10 point favorites. So it could be a hide and Chris Carson game, but at $7,700, you're getting 292 yards per game. You're getting the highest completion percentage on the slate. Not true completion, just completion percentage at 71% right now. And you're getting 35 rushing yards per game. Now he's not being allowed to, or he has not been able to kind of just let it open a little bit more as of late, right? We're not seeing these 40 pass attempts games that we saw at the beginning of the year. So that can actually be at the most expensive price point, a little bit of reason to back away a little bit. He has not supported both Lockett and Metcalf in the same game in a while now. And I'm not too sure that the Giants are going to be able to be that opponent to kind of keep uh, the Seattle Seahawks having to throw in the second half like they were earlier in the year. Now, if Daniel Jones is in, I'll have more interest in getting to these rough stacks with more of a priority. If it's Colt McCoy, I'm honestly not going to get there. I can see this game being 17, 20 to 3, 17, nothing, 20 to 3 at halftime. And then you just see like 10 pass attempts like vintage Russ in the past couple of years in the second half with Seattle. So Daniel Jones being in gives me more interest in Russ. Otherwise, not going to get there as much. Now, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is going to project out probably a lot worse for people this week than he has in past weeks. It's going to basically be because of the matchup. The Rams are going to be a very good defense. The Rams are going to be a spot that we've seen limit this type of uh, quarterback play so far this season in different matchups. And now you're going to have Kyler Murray coming off of by far his worst game of the year. So a lot of projection systems might be projecting him lower. Normally, he might project for 24, 25 fantasy points. I think a lot of people are going to have him projecting towards the lower 20s this week, which probably keeps his ownership down, which also opens up a nice chance for you, right? Jalen Ramsey has been fantastic this year. That's going to be great. That's fine. DeAndre Hopkins is unguardable in my opinion. So I like Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, right? We like those stacks. After that, it starts to become difficult. You do have a very cheap Andy Isabella that opens up a lot of interesting stacks and allows you to get up to the expensive running backs. We'll talk about the other expensive receivers. So if you wanted to go Kyler Murray, Hopkins and Andy Isabella, a run back on one of these Rams wide receivers, I do think that that's pretty appealing as likely a lower owned stack this week. Another reason why the projection is going to be lower, just a 22.75 team implied total as three point underdogs in this one of the Arizona Cardinals as they have not fallen off a ton, but they have fallen off a decent amount. Again, that last game against New England, when he only scores nine fantasy points, that was the first time this year Kyler finished outside the top 10 in quarterback scoring. So that's going to be something to keep in mind. Kyler Murray also going to be a yes for me. Those are your clear stacking options. Has not been sacked all that much this year. And obviously you're getting that rushing upside, leading this late at 59 yards per game. So those are my four yeses. I feel a little bit more confident in Herbert and Rodgers, but you obviously have the mega ceilings of guys like Kyler with the rushing upside. Deshaun Watson would have been a clear yes for me. Indy does have a good defense, but it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Deshaun Watson's offensive line, top six in the NFL right now. Indy doesn't have that much pass rush, but we just saw Will Fuller go down, right? They cut Kenny Stills. And as of my recording, they did not re-sign him at this point as he cleared waivers and anybody can pick him up. The Titans were looking at him. The Packers inquired about him. So we'll see what happens there. And Randall Cobb is now on the IR. So what they have at wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, who's good, right? Kiki Kute in the slot, who I just think is kind of meh, right? He's not elite. He's not fantastic. He's just kind of meh in my opinion. And then now Isaiah Coulter, I think is who they're probably going to put on the opposite outside. He's a rookie under 200 pounds, kind of undersized on the outside. So that's not giving me all that much hope for separation there. Uh, what I think is going to happen is two tight end sets. I think you'll see more Jordan Atkins. I think you'll see more Darren Fells on the field. So you only have to have two wide receivers on the field at this point. Now, if they re-sign Kenny Stills, well, then you can kind of throw a lot of that out and that's going to be fine. But right now I do think two tight end sets 
defense are going to be there, which limits the downfield and big play upside, of course, of Deshaun Watson against a defense that is limiting big plays this year. That being said, Deshaun Watson has been great this year. 8.8 yards per attempt is second in the NFL right now. Only two Kirk Cousins for guys that have a big enough sample. Otherwise, Taysom Hill will be in there, but obviously very small sample size for Taysom Hill to this point. But yes, I, I do indeed like what I'm seeing out of Deshaun Watson. He's going to be very close to a yes for me as the week goes on because Brandon Cooks is going to look like a very good option in stacks. Jordan Atkins is going to look like a good option in stacks. Kiki Kute will look decent. So there is still some upside in this stack. Uh, we'll end up seeing how close we get to it on Friday and then also on Sunday's closing thoughts show. Other options, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he starts again, since he looks fine at 6K flat. And then if you're looking for cheap dart throws, Matt Ryan was terrible last time out against the Saints. He'll get Julio Jones likely back this week. He'll have a full deck of cards. Again, it is a tough matchup, but he is cheap at $5,600 and he is attempting 39 attempts per game, second most in the slate. And then Mitch Trubisky, uh, Nagy said, they said, hey, is Mitch still going to start? And he said, yeah, I don't see why not. So Mitch Trubisky at 5,400. Look, he backdoored his way into 20 plus fantasy points against the Packers. He has the rushing upside. Averaging 20 yards per game right now is basically in that category of like top five on the slate after you get past the Kyler Murray's, the Russell Wilson's, the Deshaun Watson's, and the Cam Newton. So yeah, Mitch Trubisky is going to have upside. The only team that he seems to have a lot of success against is the Lions. He has the benefit of seeing this Lions team week one, where he had the three touchdown comeback in the fourth quarter, scoring, I think, 24 plus fantasy points. So I'm not going to be jumping up and down telling you to play high owned stacks with Mitch Trubisky. But if you want to get one or two lines from Mitch Trubisky stacks, Allen Robinson is your clear stacking option. And if you want to double stack it, then Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller after that. So again, that's just kind of somebody to mention that has a cheap upside if you really wanted to go there. Otherwise, for me, for the most part, staying up top towards those quarterbacks that we discussed at the beginning. And as we move over to the running back sheet now, I'll also let you know that I do have Patreon projections. So in terms of the quarterbacks, I'm going to have them all projected out. Ownership, projections for Superdraft, DraftKings, cash rank, game rankings, all that type of stuff. Right now, if I just a peek behind the curtain, this stuff will change. My highest point per dollar, so point per dollar means just how many points for their price, how much value you're getting out of them, is actually Justin Herbert. I have projected for 22 and a half points. He's my highest point per dollar quarterback to this point. You can check out all the other quarterbacks and all the other positions. Link down below. Check out all their information about them. And a lot more is offered on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. Any questions, let me know on YouTube or over on Patreon. Check it out. Join the community. The more informed you are, the better your chances of winning. The more loaded up and geared. And you know, you got your ballistic vest on. You got your heavy hitters. You got your Glock in your one hand, your rifle in your other hand. And then you're looking down on your opponents right now on top of a hill. You're just ready, ready to absolute slaughter and win this war. And then your opponents who are not on Patreon, who are not informed, they're just walking through, right? They think they got some shields on. They got a little bit of a helmet on. And then they look up and they go, oh shit, we ain't got nothing. We're not loaded with any information right now to win the dollar ruskies. We're dead. We're dead money right now. That's basically what's happening in these tournaments if you want to picture it that way. So if you want to sign up for Patreon, what a hell of a speech. What a hell of a speech. What a hell of a sales speech right now. If you want to sign up for Patreon, you can go ahead down below. Like I said, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. That's my name. The running back position. Now the running back position is very interesting this week because there's a lot of guys that look good and it's going to naturally lead to guys being lower owned. So you have Dalvin Cook coming off of a bad game, a game where his team scores four touchdowns and Dalvin Cook and they're in the red zone a lot and Dalvin Cook does not get in the end zone. Dalvin Cook's coming off of a game where he only scores 10.2 fantasy points. That is his worst performance of the season. So we're coming off of weeks where a lot of great players scoring their worst fantasy points of the season. And it's going to get absolutely outshined because Derrick Henry goes for like 40 fantasy points almost in the first half. And now they're priced very close this week. Dalvin Cook's price point doesn't change. Look, I'm not all in the cards for just getting automatically to Dalvin Cook this week, although he has had been the number one overall running back three out of the last five weeks. And he just was two weeks ago with 25 fantasy points. And he has two 40 plus performances and a 50 plus performance basically in the past month, month and a half. But there's so many expensive wide receivers and there's also expensive stacks since we like the high end pricing at the quarterback that I don't think you have to get one of Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry in your lineups. I think that they're going to be very nice plays, love safe floors and obviously high ceilings. But I don't think you have to because there's a lot of nice $7,000 running backs this week and even a couple of five and six K running backs that I think have upside to get you 20 plus fantasy points. So I don't have to dive deep on Dalvin Cook. You're getting 25 opportunities. You're getting 0.9 fantasy points per touch. And his team right now has the highest overall team total as a 10 point favorite. Just naturally, if you're blindly looking at this and telling people 
people how to play DFS. You want teams that are going to have high t- or running backs that are going to have high volume. Check that for Dalvin Cook on a big favorite. Check that for Dalvin Cook, arguably the biggest favorite of the week, a 10 point favorite. And you want them to have high team totals, meaning they're going to score a lot. And they have the highest team total on the slate at 30.75. Dalvin Cook checks all those boxes. So I'm not going to come here and tell you that he's a bad play. If he becomes 40% owned again, then yeah, sure. But I think Derrick Henry is going to pull some of that away. So then you get Josh Jacobs, who got banged up in the last game. Now it's a very beneficial matchup, a top five matchup on the slate against the New York Jets defense that ranked bottom 10 overall and overall defense and tackling. He's a seven and a half point favorite. Similar things that we can say about Dalvin Cook. Does he get the volume? Check that. 41 red zone attempts right now is second only on the slate to Derrick Henry. So check that for him. High upside touches there. He doesn't get as much passing game work, just 3.1 targets per game. That's not terrible. 22 total opportunities per game. Check that. Now we want to start to get into the guys that I have a lot of interest in this week, and I continue to have interest in each and every week. One of them starts with James Robinson. James Robinson continues to never pick up all that much ownership. Maybe he's 15% owned at most, and he just continues to keep crushing it. 26.9 fantasy points the last time out. That was arguably his second or third best performance of the entire season. He's gotten very close to 30 a couple times this year, week three, week seven, and then this past week, he ended up being the running back three on the overall weekend. And I mean, this guy is just nuts. He's coming off of a 28 opportunity game 19 the week before that and 19 was very very low for him that's like ceiling performances for a lot of running backs this year week before that 28 27 28 i mean this guy's just absolutely insane he's averaging 26 opportunities per game over the last five weeks and it's just going to continue to happen 22 opportunities per game so far this year 27 red zone touches his team is going to be nine and a half point underdog so if you want to come to me and say sal he's going to be a huge underdog the man has been a touchdown to 10 point underdog basically every single week and it honestly doesn't matter for his volume now he's going to be touchdown dependent to an extent but it was nice to see this past week he ended up having five receptions on six targets from mike Glennon. We're expecting Mike Lennon to start again, even if he doesn't. Basically, every single week he was out there with Gardner Minshew. He was getting five to six to seven targets as well. So I think there's a lot of upside in James Robinson, who, based on volume alone in this very nice matchup against Minnesota, bottom five run defense, projects out for 18.6 fantasy points. He's my number two point per dollar play right now on Patreon. Next up, we're going to get to the man, the myth, the legend, the man that I love so much. I tweeted multiple times this guy's going to score so, so many fantasy points. And he scored so, so many fantasy points without even getting into the end zone. And I mean, so, so many fantasy points. He ended up being a top overall eight running back last week. He ended up scoring 24 fantasy points for you absolute beast in Austin Eckler and he had 30 opportunities Sal how many carries did he have if he had 30 opportunities just 14 yes that is right 16 targets if you can do that easy math after that 11 receptions 129 yards this guy was an absolute monster overall he had three red zone touches on the ground two in the air so he was involved everywhere all over the red zone like if you're gonna get five red zone touches and overall 30 opportunities you're gonna score some touchdowns so don't say oh but he's not gonna have 16 targets next week if he only gets 10 he's not gonna get there for you okay his price point is still insanely cheap at this price of $7,100 and he's gonna find the end zone. And I think it's probably going to be this week. And if it's not this week, just hold out hope that it's going to be very, very soon. Again, you don't touch the ball five times in the red zones with 30 overall opportunities and then just not, not get in the end zone. You're going to hit some major touchdown regression. And it's going to come very quickly for a man this year who I think only has one total touchdown on the season on all of his touches. Regression is in the cards. And now he's going to be coming into this matchup against New England where, look, it's a one point spread. They might get down on this one. 24 implied team total. I like this opportunity for Austin Eckler. He is honestly, even with Keenan Allen on this team, a 1A, 1B wide receiver. I mean, Austin Eckler, if Justin Herbert is going to be this check down type artist like a Philip Rivers, like a Drew Brees, even if he's not like checked out, right? We know he throws downfield. We know he handles pressure well. But if he's going to be not reluctant, if he's going to be willing to throw it to Austin Eckler, this is a Christian McCaffrey role. This really is a Christian McCaffrey role. If Austin Eckler gets in the end zone once last week, we're comparing him a lot more to Christian McCaffrey than people are heading into week 13. And if you ever get Christian McCaffrey at $7,100, you jump up and down that you just save two to $3,000 on him. Austin Eckler for me is going to be my number one running back play this week. I don't care if he's 30% on, I'm going to play a lot of Austin Eckler because his price point is $1,000 too cheap. Yes, I said last week, you're going to see me 
$77,000. And I would not be shocked if you saw him be $8,000 within a week or two. I think next week we're going to see a close to $8,000 price tag on Austin Eckler after he absolutely obliterates the slate this week. Now we keep going. Miles Sanders is interesting. I have him as a yes right now. It's going to be very ownership dependent. And I know that's kind of cliche to say, but with Miles Sanders, it is. Miles Sanders' workload on this Eagles team and the way that they call plays, he gets phased out so easily. This past week, he ends up only seeing nine touches in a game where they're not down all that much in a game where you would think that he actually sees some work in the passing game, just two receptions on three targets and just 20 routes run. But now a matchup against the Packers where they are big underdogs, you're hoping that the game stays close enough to get work on the ground against a Packers defense that has been struggling. Now the run defense has somewhat stabilized as Kenny Clark has gotten healthier towards the middle of the season. And now as we get into the home stretch, but Miles Sanders is going to be in play for me. I think you could suspect somewhere around like 15 to 16 touches. And then the big thing, the big thing is if you finally get the passing game usage, we saw five overall receptions on 10 targets the past two weeks before that. Then this past week, just three targets. We haven't seen that ceiling passing game usage since the first two weeks of the year when he saw seven and eight targets. Since then, he has not eclipsed five. We're hoping that we can get the four or five to six, maybe even targets this week. And then we're hoping that we can get those week to 10 and 11 usage of the 15 and 16 touches. The game would have to stay somewhat close, but that's what we're hoping for at this point. Again, coming off of a week where he only sees nine touches, I think it maybe keeps the ownership down. A lot of people know the Packers defense isn't that great. So if it keeps it at that point for a guy averaging 5.6 yards per carry, I'll be getting myself some Miles Sanders this week, as long as ownership is manageable. A couple other yeses. Miles Gaskin is going to be a yes for me. Again, he almost was ready to go last week. So if he is going to be ready to go this week, I'm going to be all in on him. They don't have anything in this backfield. They're begging for a running back. Matt Breida fumbles, looks terrible, gets benched. Patrick Larry gets like a touch, fumbles, looks, gets benched. They signed DeAndre Washington, who they're not anywhere near tied to. I think he's a decent running back, but he gets like eight touches, doesn't do much with them. Miles Gaskin before he ended up missing time and going on IR, he was very good. In week eight and week six. So week eight, he gets 24 opportunities. Week six, he gets 22, gets 21 the week before that. So he was seeing 20 plus opportunities in three straight weeks and he was scoring fantasy points. He was the RB8, 7, and 17, scoring over 13 fantasy points and at most 20 fantasy points in those three weeks. I think they're going to give him the full workload if he comes back and he's healthy. I think you're going to see 16 touches. And honestly, if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's even better. That's the quarterback he was playing with, who was giving him five, four, six, six, five, seven targets in all the games that he was playing. Miles Gaskin for me is a full on yes against Cincinnati as a massive. We've never seen the Dolphins be this big of favorites, 11 to 12 point favorites, massive favorite in this one. Take those 20 opportunities that you're probably going to be getting more times than not in this matchup if he's indeed healthy. Duke Johnson, we finally saw be involved. Now, David Johnson is eligible to return off of his concussion, which seems to be a severe concussion, sadly. Hopefully he's doing well, but he's eligible to return this week. We'll see based on the news. If he does not return or it looks like he's not going to, I'm fine going back to Duke Johnson, but keep an eye on this, right? He ends up scoring 17 fantasy points last time out. But that's because he had that big touchdown, that big receiving touchdown. Yet again, he did nothing on the ground. He only had nine carries. That is now back-to-back weeks of just 10 and nine carries. So not a lot of usage on the ground. And he only did see four receptions. So again, you're getting 12 and 13 touches in back-to-back weeks. A yes right now, Duke Johnson is maybe a little aggressive. I do think he'll have to be involved a lot more, maybe playing a little bit of slot wide receiver, maybe lining up wide because they don't have that many wide receivers, but we'll put him closer to a maybe at this point. David Montgomery had the big game. He had a 57 yard run. So don't let that uh, kind of fool you in terms of his yards per carry numbers against the Packers. But again, a bad defense against the Packers. Maybe Miles Sanders takes advantage of it again. But David Montgomery will be a yes for me, just purely based on price point and matchup at this point. We'll kind of look at it blindly and just hope that he gets there. But another thing was nice to see with Mitch Trubisky. He targeted him five times or he targeted him six times. He had five receptions. He had five overall red zone touches against the Packers, scored 25.3 fantasy points, by far his best performance by over seven fantasy points this year. Now in a game where they're down big, he only gets 11 carries. He ends up having 143 total yards. Again, 157 yard run. Nice to at least see the burst, but it was a huge hole up the middle against the Packers. But we're just trying to get volume here. You get 15, 16 touches. You can get another five, six targets out of Mitch Trubisky to David Montgomery. This could be a nice spot for him at $5,500. It could be a little bit of fool's gold if he ends up being highly owned. Like right now, he's a top five point per dollar play on my Patreon down below. But if he's going to be highly owned, I'd probably get away from it because he's basically only been needed to get you there one time. And that ended up being on a showdown slate, right? The Giants week two, he scores 22 fantasy points. You don't need that. There's other like six, seven other guys who are going to score that many fantasy points. So I don't think you'll ever be burnt by David Montgomery scoring 30 to 40 fantasy points. 
performance, to be honest with you. So if he picks up ownership, I can get away from it. I can pivot to Naeem Himes, who's our final yes here. Now, Naeem Himes last week, keep in mind that his usage is going to be a little bit skewed. Like he ends up scoring 17 fantasy points, probably should have scored more, but yeah, no Jonathan Taylor, because I think his girlfriend had somebody who was a close contact. Taylor might return this week. He's eligible. He doesn't actually have COVID as of right now. He just had his uh, close contact. So he had a quarantine. And then Jordan Wilkins got banged up in this game. So you saw more usage than you're probably going to get moving forward for Naeem Himes. He had 20 opportunities, 10 targets, and he survived basically in the passing game, catching eight overall receptions. He had 95 total yards. So that's good to see. But again, he was basically the only running back for like a half of that game. So that's going to skew his results. If you get Jonathan Taylor back this week, I'll probably put Naeem Himes from a yes to a maybe, because I don't think you're going to get all that much usage. You had six rushing attempts week 11, then you had 10 in week 12. If you end up getting Jonathan Taylor back and Jordan Wilkins looks to be healthy, I don't think you get more than six to eight rushing attempts. You probably get closer to six targets. And then I'm not going to have as much interest in Naeem Himes. So that's where I'm at right now. Some other interests, of course, Derrick Henry will be in play. I prefer Dalvin Cook up top. Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, if healthy, will be in play. Chris Carson was outtouched by Carlos Hyde, but I do like Chris Carson still as maybe even a sneaky pivot as a big 10 point favorite if he can get that workload back from Carlos Hyde. Wayne Gallman and Giovanni Bernard are some other considerations. But again, out of those guys, Wayne Gallman and Giovanni Bernard, I prefer Miles Gaskin right now and probably even David Montgomery, depending on ownership. We now move over to the wide receiver position. And as we are here, please do hit that like and subscribe button as I try to get close to 35,000 subscribers as a community. Thank you so much. And if you're listening on the audio version, the Salvatry Show, Apple, Stitcher, whatever it might be, Spotify, if you want to leave a five-star rating and review, enter into a chance to win $50 rooskies. It takes two seconds of your time, link down below. Even if you're on your phone right now watching this, maybe you're multitasking. The 21st century out there, right? All the people uh, watching a video, but also watching another video on their phone, pretty crazy. And then on their tablet, they're trying to read a book, whatever. All the crazy shit that you people are doing out there watching this. I mean, I'm multitasking with three screens right now. We got so many screens, so many lights. I think my brain's gonna fry. It's gonna blow up right in the screen right now. If I had good editing, if you're a good editor, reach out to me. Maybe we can get some crazy shit going on in some of this, uh, these videos that we put out there, keep people engaged past this point. But anyways, if you are, if you wanna leave a review, no matter where you're listening, you can get entered into that the salvetry show on all those podcast platforms apple and stitchers where i think you can leave the reviews the only options now we get into the wide receiver position look i like the wide receiver position a lot i'm not going to really dive deep into the Devonte adams i obviously like him we just saw what dk Metcalf did against darius slay nobody's gonna be able to cover Devonte adams his target share is elite seeing 11 targets per game averaging over 100 yards per game at a 30 plus percent target share he's nine thousand dollars and honestly he's too cheap in my opinion Devonte adams is a clear yes and i like all these guys up here depending on what you're doing with your stacks dk Metcalf, hopkins i don't have to tell you much about them so we, we can kind of skip past those guys if you will and start to talk about the guys who actually need some analysis because all those wide receivers, very good. If you're stacking their quarterbacks, clear cut options. We like all them. They're probably all going to see somewhere between eight and 12 targets. You feel more secure about Adams and Hopkins volume. So I prefer them to Metcalf just because of their overall target share so far this year. Next up, we get to maybe the most underpriced player on the entire slate. And it's honestly egregious. $6,700 Allen Robinson is egregious. Now these are the starts with Mitch Trubisky. You might be saying, ah, Sal, it's Mitch Trubisky starting now. Well, Mitch Trubisky has eyes for Allen Robinson. Nine, nine targets the first two weeks. Mitch Trubisky gets pulled in week three, but he sees 10 targets before getting pulled in like three quarters. And then this past week, you get 13 targets. And a lot of that was against Jair Alexander. So Alan Robinson, one of the few people this year to go, go off and maybe the only one against Jair. Now it's a game where they're trailing and they're playing some soft coverage towards the end, but eight catches, 74 total yards, two touchdowns. And he ended up being the wide receiver five with over 27 fantasy points. Alan Robinson is an absolute monster. I want him a lot this week. He's only $6,700. If you still play cash, if you're somebody who plays cash out there, looks like a very strong cash game option, but a strong option nonetheless. Alan Robinson right now for me, he's not going to be my number one wide receiver play, but in even factoring all the cheap end guys right now above six thousand dollars is my number one play above five thousand he's my number two play so alan robinson we like a lot here julio jones if he returns i mean we have alan robinson here so it's going to keep some ownership maybe they pull from away from each other but if julio jones wants to return this week and he wants to be this cheap i mean there's not many times that you get julio jones in the 6k range especially in a decent matchup where he has never had really any issues with marshawn Lattimore. so if julio jones does return and we get any news that he's just somewhat healthy i'm gonna go there we have people making podcasts right now that julio jones is dust okay so in week 11 he gets hurt so we can't really count that and then you want to look at the month before that 
that. 16 and a half fantasy points, 22 fantasy points, 18 fantasy points, 34 fantasy points. Where's the dust? I, I don't get where this dust is on Julio Jones. Every game that he's been healthy, he's gone off. Week one, 25 fantasy points. Then he ends up having a hamstring that he plays through because he's a goddamn warrior. And week two and week four, he doesn't do anything because of that injury. He actually leaves, I believe, that week four game against the Packers at halftime. So every single game, every single game he's been healthy. His worst performance this year is 16 and a half fantasy points. And now he's priced in this price range at like $6,600, where if he scores 16 and a half fantasy points, that's actually a good performance. But if he gets his median right now when he's healthy of like 20, that's obviously a slam dunk performance. Julio Jones is very underpriced. You can build an elite lineup with Julio Jones and Allen Robinson. You got two guys that will have 30 point upside, 40 point upside, maybe even. And their floors are like 15 to 16 fantasy points in this price range. They should both be 7K plus receivers. Devontae Parker, Devontae Parker, only if Ryan Fitzpatrick goes. You saw last week, over 100 yards, like eight receptions, double digit targets. He's an absolute monster when he has his quarterback out there who actually targets downfield, who actually is not scared to throw downfield, like Tua seems to be right now, and who actually is somewhat accurate throwing to Devontae Parker. So Parker's going to be in play for me. You're getting close to a 30% market share of his team's air yards. That's good to see. A lot of upside there as a 27 implied team total. If you dare stack the Bears, I think you run it back with Kenny Galladay. Looks to be fine. If he is indeed healthy, it looks to be a fine run back option. Now he has not been healthy. We don't have many signs that he is healthy. This injury is way more severe than they let on early on because he's missed over like a month at this point. But $6,000, if he is indeed good to go and fully healthy, 14.1 air yards per target. And this is a $6,000 wide receiver who, again, similar to Allen Robinson, similar to Julio Jones, the floor here is like 13, 14 fantasy points. The upside is clearly in the 20s. All right, the chalk bunny is going to come out. This man who's just been, uh, for some reason, every single week, around $5,500, Brandon Cooks, although he's the number one wide receiver on his team. And yes, I know that you have Will Fuller's downfield upside, but number one wide receiver in terms of just volume and consistency in that volume is Brandon Cooks, in my opinion, coming off of the game on Thanksgiving, where he catches all five of his targets for 85 yards. Once again, he scores 13 and a half fantasy points. This guy has scored 10 or more fantasy points in every single game since he goose egged in week four as a chalk. He's going to be the mega chalk this week. If you're going to play at Deshaun Watson stack, just eat the chalk, in my opinion, and get different elsewhere. But otherwise, look, cash game. Yeah, Brandon Cooks looks great. I haven't projected as my number one overall wide receiver play by a pretty wide margin as of right now. There's no Will Fuller. We can comfortably project Brandon Cooks for 10 plus targets this week. And that's a lot, especially given a good matchup against Indy, whereas one-on-one matchups are going to be pretty decent. They're going to be fine. One-on-one matchups against Indy with good wide receivers. They have struggled. Xavier Rhodes is not that great. Yes. Oh, he had a great week one. He had a great first month of the season. Yeah. And then he started to face good wide receivers and he got a little bit toasted, right? So Cooks, there's not much to say. This week is going to be a fantastic play. The ownership will be there. We'll have to see how much it is going to be there. Corey Davis, I like. Look, Corey Davis is hard to ignore. He continues to project out nicely and every single week, even more nicely because we can kind of see that he's going to be a legitimate thing this year. Now he's coming off of a week where he only has three targets. He ends up having 70 yards on those, but then he has a lot more usage the previous week. So that seven targets, six targets, five receptions in those previous weeks, hundred plus air yards two weeks ago. So Corey Davis looks decent. Maybe a yes is a little bit extreme here, especially since I'm not trying to stack this team all that much. So let's put Corey Davis to it. Maybe put him in that large group of maybe as far as we'll be in a player pool, but I don't expect to get like 15 plus percent. Alan Lazard. We like Alan Lazard. He's been in basically four healthy games and in three of those games or four, five healthy games. And in four of those games, he's gotten to 12 plus fantasy points. He's looked pretty damn good this year. And I think now this week, if you get 35 attempts out of Rogers, you probably get closer to seven to eight targets for Lazard in a fine matchup. He has the third highest fantasy points per target on the year right now. That's very good to see. That's a statistic that's right up there next to Justin Jefferson, obviously a smaller sample size for Lazard, but he's been very good on a per snap basis. And I expect even more snaps as he's now fully healthy, a month removed. He's been sprinting for like six weeks now uh, from this core muscle injury. And I think you're going to see more volume from Aaron Rodgers this week with a 28 implied team total. And then you might be surprised. I have both the Jets receivers as yeses. I mean, it's going to be extreme, but it doesn't mean automatically play them, right? It means in their price range. I like these guys a lot. They both project for double digit fantasy points on my Patreon down below. They both look like nice options against Vegas. That is a bottom overall two defense, a total defense this year. Vegas is bottom two in the NFL. Their coverage, their pressure, their run defense, their tackling, all those things suck. They're in the bottom five in all those categories. Now you get this Jets team coming in as touchdown underdogs. You're getting these court, these wide receivers and Denzel Mims, 16.1 air yards per target. Uh, Brashad Perriman, 15.4 air yards per target. Those 
Those both are two out of the top three on the slate right now this season, and they both are one and two in the NFL over the last month, courtesy of Nick BDGE on Twitter. He tweeted out earlier this week that those two Jets receivers, a lot of it has to do with Joe Flacco, but even last week we saw it uh, with Sam Darnold. They're getting targeted downfield, and they're still too cheap in my opinion. I like both of those guys. And then there's a long list of maybes, right? There are going to be a lot of guys who are in my stacks. There's going to be a lot of guys that we can break down a little bit deeper into on Friday, and also we can break down into in the game by game notes if you're a Patreon member to check those out. Keenan Allen in stacks, Tyler Lockett in stacks, Adam Thielen as a one-off if he does indeed return, Justin Jefferson as a one-off who's still cheaper than Thielen, but Thielen gets all that red zone usage, so it's appropriate in my opinion. You get Calvin Ridley who had a dud last week, or not even a dud, but you were expecting more than just like 16 fantasy points out of him. You get Crowder who really he relies on the success of Sam Donald, so even Crowder, like all these Jets receivers are in play. Crowder's very cheap now, and now he gets his number one quarterback back who likes throwing to him in the slot, who feels comfortable throwing to him in the slot since college basically. In Sam Donald, so that looks decent. Bounce back potential for Pittman. MVS will be in my player pools and my stacking options and groups. Probably don't get a lot. Like I said, I like Tony and I like Adams and I like uh, Lazard more than right now in VS, but I'll still be in those groups. And then some other cheap options, Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney from the Bears. Again, if you want to be throwing a target with one of them, I think Miller has more upside, more chemistry with Trubisky. Darnell Mooney relies on deep shots and I don't trust Mitch Trubisky to hit some deep shots. Andy Isabella off of a pedestrian week. I don't expect Fitzgerald to return. He might be able to return. So keep an eye on that. If Fitzgerald doesn't return, $3,200 Isabella is fine. You get some other options down here like Kiki Kute, $3,500. I don't know if there's going to be too much upside in Kute, right? Even with Will Fuller out, he's not an outside receiver. He's a slot receiver. So his role isn't changing. He's not moving to the outside unless he does, but I doubt that. He's a standard and a prototypical slot receiver. So you're going to get guys like Isaiah Coulter or maybe another wide receiver that they sign moving to the outside, meaning that his role, maybe he's an extra target, but that's not going to make him project for five more fantasy points. So Kiki Kute is basically just projecting as Randall Cobb, right? He's taking the Randall Cobb role and Kenny Stills role in the slot. Will Fuller being out doesn't affect him that much, even though a lot of people are going to think it does, it does not. So with all that said, let's now move to the tight end position and close out this week. It's pretty quick to talk about the tight ends, to be honest with you. A couple of them are going to be really just get them through stacks. Darren Waller has not eclipsed 50 yards now in a while. He's only done it a couple times this year, but there's nobody else on the slate that looks as good as him projection wise. But even with that being said, there's still some guys that are going to project out a lot better than we have seen in previous weeks, just because we're getting some consistency out of them. So Waller's in play for me. He has the highest overall air yard target share in the slate at 22.4%. He leads all these tight ends with 542 receiving yards, but I'm not all in on Darren Waller like I usually am getting 30 plus percent because I think there's some other good tight ends as of right now. I mean, you're seeing them. Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz might return this week. I don't care. Dallas Goddard has been the clear cut uh, wide receiver tight end one for this team. Honestly, wide receiver one as well. Another 70 yards and a touchdown when we just saw them play on Monday Night Football. Big Bob, Bobby Tonyan coming out here, or Tonyan, whatever you want to say. A couple people tell me now that it's pronounced Tonyan, Tonyan. It's been pronounced for two years. Who cares, honestly, in my opinion? But just seeing back to back games of catching all five of his targets, back to back games of he finds the end zone, right? 15 plus fantasy points in back to back games for Tonyan. And he's going to be a very cheap option $3,700 for a high implied team total for a guy you can put into your stack. It just makes it easy to roster a guy at that point. He's averaging 4.5 yards of separation. This guy practices. He's best friends with George Kittle. He's his roommate. He practices with him in the offseason. And he's leading all the NFL tight ends right now in separation, leading all the tight ends in catch percentage because he's getting wide open at 88%. And it helps when Aaron Rodgers is throwing you the football. I like him a lot. And then right now, I'm getting Jordan Atkins to project out fantastic. $2,900. He's the punt tight end this week. Also, his teammate Darren Fells. You can punt at $2,700 for a little cheaper. Atkins just is more active in the passing game when both are healthy. But both these guys are going to be on the field a lot, in my assumption. And Jordan Atkins is going to stand to benefit in the middle of the field from being no Will Fuller. I think that's where they'll go with more. The role change will be more two tight end sets, in my opinion. So Waller, Goddard, Tony on and Atkins I like. And then, you know, you can pretty much talk me into any tight end after that. Most of these guys will see five targets and have some upside at a t- at a touchdown, right? And Hayden Hurst. Mike Gusecki will become a yes if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter, like a Hunter Henry, like a Austin Hooper. These guys are going to see four, five, six targets. And if they score a touchdown, they'll be yeses, right? So that's why they're kind of in this player pool as maybes. The other guys who are more expensive, Evan Ingram, nine plus targets in four straight. We have to see if Daniel Jones plays. If he does, Evan Ingram will go from a no to a yes. I do not trust at all. Colt McCoy, DJ Hawkinson at $5,000 against the Bears. Not the type of spot that I really want to be 
targeting TJ Hawkinson when he continues to be priced up. Yes, he had his career high game in terms of yardage on Thanksgiving, but there was no Kenny Galladay. There was no Danny Amendola. There was really not a lot, no DeAndre Swift. And they were also facing the Texans. Much different matchup this time out for an expensive price tag. So that's where I'm at right now with tight end. And that's where we're at with the week 13 best of best picks. We'll be back on Friday. Nothing on Thursday because there's no Thursday night football. We'll be back on Friday with a player prop show at noon for Monkey Knife Fight. We'll be back on Friday with the final thoughts show. Saturday, that one too. And Sunday, where we will be live streaming and then doing a closing thoughts podcast for Patreon so you can have more information to defeat your competition. Thank you so much for tuning into this video, everybody. Like and subscribe, smash it, hit it, tap it, abuse it, whatever you got to do. That like and subscribe button, I appreciate that. And I'll see you all in the next one. Support the sponsor of the show, Super Draft. My name's Sal. I'll get you that free money bonus up to $1,000 Ruskies. And support me over on Patreon if you would like to. It's a perfect time to sign up for Patreon, the new month. So it ends up being a very easy logistical thing to do for you if you want to keep a budget for me as well. So thank you so much. Peace out, gang. And we will see you in the next one.